Hi everyone, welcome to Bombshells and Blue Shells, the podcast spin-off of the website bombshellsandblueshells.com. I'm Alex. And I'm Alex. And this is our first ever episode, our introductory episode. Um, so we're kind of just getting a hang of the layout and what we're planning to do to try and get it ready before we go to Grimfest. And realising how bad our memories are for remembering <laughs> all of the crucial bits of information that you'll likely want to hear. Yeah, it suddenly makes it seem a lot harder when you try and do it yourself. <laughs> mm. Much more respect for everyone else who's done this. <laughs> but we're going to give it a shot. And by the magic of editing, I'm going to make us sound amazing. It's going to be fine. It's going to be so many chops. It's going to be so good. <laughs> so, this episode, we're going to review the last film that we watched together in the cinema, which is Ready or Not. But before we get there, there's one important question. What's been on your watch list? So, what have you been watching? Uh, uh, this week, it was One Cut of the Dead which has been heavily hyped by a lot of people and we did not get to watch it on the festival circuit last year despite going to Grimfest and Triple Six Horror Fest and a few other festivals as well. No one brought it to us. No one brought it to Manchester. (laughs) However, we did get the opportunity because there was a big um bidding war bidding war between a lot of the streaming sites that managed to get shudder in the uk we watched it a few days ago and i have to say it was not what i expected (laughs) not at all what were your thoughts there was so so much hype about it and obviously the vast majority of what people said did say you know hold on hold on keep keep holding on and I'm glad I did because that first 30 minutes of the single cut yeah fair play that is really impressive like the way that they choreographed everything and to make it as the title suggests one cut of the film and things like that was brilliant but then it started to lose me and it was low budget and things but I've now become one of those people that without wanting to go into spoiling it, because obviously it has only just come to Shudder UK, so unless you've used bad means, you may not have seen it yet. Um, the ending makes up for it. Jesus Christ, it was funny. <laughs> the last 20 minutes, half an hour, were just brilliant. Yeah, I think the first half an hour of the film was fantastic. Um, to see an entire zombie film effectively and I'm sure a lot of people have read about it set in multiple locations with one single cut is fantastic Mm. however to then go on to the story that I had not read about I had not heard anything about despite hearing a lot of people talking about it on various different podcasts and um, like review sites review and sites. stuff uh, yeah it, it didn't disappoint at all so didn't disappoint at all highly highly recommend um, stick with it it, get, it it gets dry but it gets better um, and yeah it's worth it all just for that last little build up at the end so very meta 
very meta. I love your use of that word. <laughs> um, so the next thing we watch, so our second to last uh, cinema trip was for Crawl. 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 Gators. Gators. So many gators. So many swimming scenes. <laughs> so go on, what was Crawl about? Um, it was about this girl that swam <laughs> but then didn't quite perform to her best but she was it was a, it was the quintessential you are the greatest sportsman slash woman in your father's eyes storyline then combined with horrible horrible creature feature no I'm sad that I asked you to describe this. You are doing it none of the credits it deserves. <clears throat> Excuse you. <laughs> so, Crawl is... Um, it's it's a Creech feature. It's a monster movie, disaster movie, whatever you want to call it. it. It's what happens when gators attack. It's not. Oh, <laughs> it's so much fun. I can't believe you disliked it that much. Uh, it was just a bit meh. It was not meh. It was a bit meh. No. So, Haley is a training uh, swimmer uh, for the Florida University team and things. And she, she lives in Florida. Category 5 hurricane hits. Neither her nor her sister can get in touch with their dad. So they're worried that something bad has happened to him and he's been caught in a hurricane. So she heads out to go and check on him. He's not at his little divorce condo. So she goes to the family house and it turns out he's in the crawl space underneath. Big problem between getting an injured and unconscious papa out of the crawl space is the gators. Simple. Easy peasy. Fucking brilliant. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. (laughs) There are so many issues. There are no issues. So many issues. The issues are your lack of fun. <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the fun. I watched Anaconda and Anaconda 2. You cannot. Search for the Blood Orchid today. <laughs> Anaconda 2, colon. Search today, for the Blood Orchid. Colon. There was a colon in the title. I am all for fun. However... There was a distinct lack of consistency in the performance of the alligators. <laughs> in the performance of the alligators. By comparison to a otherwise mediocre stellar cast. swimmer at best. Apex Predator all day, baby. There's a difference between self-belief and ability. I, I don't know if it's a spoiler. Is it a spoiler? She can outswim alligators. Well, she can outswim alligators <laughs> occasionally. Occasionally. Is the point I'm trying to make. It wouldn't is... be fun if she could do it every time. <laughs> All I'm saying is there is no consistency whatsoever in Ew. her ability to outpace an alligator, nor, in fact, any other member of the cast to outpace an alligator. There's like two members of the cast. Furthermore, 
I'm a little bit disappointed. Yeah, that's right. I said furthermore. <laughs> I'm on a podcast now. I can sound professional. I am fancy. I'm semi-pro at this shit. I'm fine. Okay. Furthermore, mm. I was distinctly unimpressed, unimpressed by the volume of CGI and a lack of practical effects in this film. Okay, yeah, yeah. The the CGI gators don't don't really pull it off but when you've come from the levels of ghost shark sharknado the cgi in this is brilliant this is sam raimi right sam raimi producing hence raimi, the evil he's, dead he's, underwater he's throwing, shots yeah he's throwing some money at this yeah no, this should um, be a lot better. Okay, the one thing I will give you is the gators ain't so good. The gators, considering earlier this year we went to Disney. We did. And saw Disney Florida and saw... Real life gators. Well, real life gators and also... <laughs> animatronic gators outside the rainforest cafe oh yeah no they were cool i mean it only takes okay, a few yeah. hinges why to they didn't make cast something look realistic when you cast um the rainforest you know, cafe gators yeah the rainforest cafe gators i i just thought of all the films we've like horror wise and things like that we've watched quite a lot this year and for it not to run a solid like two and a half to three hours for it to be oh so good yeah for it to be a bit shorter know its limitations and just be fun like when it said jump scares I actually jumped there was actually moments where some alligators crashing through the wall when there's no score to tell you it's happening there's no lead up it's just ah calm moment boom gator and that got me more than a lot of the things we've seen this year. Yeah, I think it harked back to the likes of Deep Blue Sea. Um, mm. Early Thousands? Was that like 2002-ish? Something like that? Early Thousands, I think. Somewhere around that. I'll research that another time <laughs> when I actually feel like I need to know it. Yeah, yeah. But it harked back to that kind of... 1999. Really? Jeez, mm. that kind of shock and awe of a creature effectively jumping out of nowhere without any kind of sound effects, you know, without any kind of build up. I mean, Jaws had the deep blue sea, Samuel L. Jackson stood over a big hole at the bottom of the uh, what's it and got the, eaten the underground thing, got eaten straight away after a big speech that he did, not dissimilar to that. So too did the... Are we doing spoilers before I ruin this bit? No spoilers for Crawl. Oh, nothing happened. <laughs> but I really, really enjoyed Crawl. Um, it might not be on like the top 10 movies of the year list because it's not exactly smart. It's not exactly new. It doesn't exactly go into bold places and things like that. But it was just fun. It was so nice to go to the cinema and it not be like, oh, there's got to be links to this and some hidden trauma and this meaning. And 
what this is and I'm not insulting any of those films I mean I'm definitely referencing like It Chapter 2 and Midsummer and stuff which are stunning but slogs they're hard this was old school like turn brain off watch people get chommed enjoy the fuck out of it sound yeah. like porn <laughs> oh my god <laughs> we may be watching different porns all I'm saying is <laughs> there's people out there that is thinking it just good chumming fun just good chumming fun and that's the tagline for the fucking show yeah it is <laughs> So, bombshellsandblueshells.com. Oh, thanks. It's yeah. good, charming, fun. So, news and previews. News and previews. News and previews. We've got news. News and previews this week is the news is the reason we're kind of starting in on everything is because we're going to Grimfest again. This will be our third year. Third year. Third year. And it'd be nice to kind of review the festival and the films that we see and things like that just overall and sometimes the best way to do that is just to have a nice old chat about them um so this year the kind of main headline films are um little monsters so sunday yep that's on the sunday isn't it yep so that's on the sunday um that's the Lupita Ungoyo film uh, about a kindergarten teacher who takes her class on a trip during a zombie outbreak. I was going to say zombies, isn't it? Yeah. Um, then there's the UK premiere, I believe, of Rabid, Rabid the Soska Sisters film. Is that Saturday? Hmm? Is that Saturday? No, that's Sunday as well. Is that Sunday as well? Yeah. Sunday's a a heavy whammer. Mm. Um, So I adore them. They'll be so much more fawning and general. They do American Mary. American Mary, dead hooker in a trunk. I'm still not seeing that. (laughs) I should probably watch that. so good. Um, And my Black Widow comics. Your Black Widow comics, they're getting signed this weekend. Hopefully, fingers crossed such work. Yeah, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll update on <laughs> whether well, I'm absolutely... Well, she has the ability to speak to two people that she holds so highly. Was it Eileen Clark? Eileen Clark last year and the Devil's Doorway. Yeah, and I asked her to sign a poster and it mostly came out in vowels. <laughs> Yeah, which I have to say <laughs> was a spectacle to watch. It was impressive. But The I, Devil's Doorway is a fantastic film. It was a fantastic Grimfest film. And because, of course, you'll be listening to this tiny, tiny Manchester-based podcast, I am so sorry that I simply made noise at you. But thank you so much for signing my poster. Um, and then we also have... The Pollyanna Macintosh Darling. sequel to The Woman. Darling. Darling. So that is Friday, I believe. It is Friday. So Friday will be Darling. So the news is kind of more of a up and coming on what we will be covering in later episode. Um hoping to do a couple of kind of 
review episodes, maybe clumping a couple of days together because unfortunately work is a thing that is required in life. So we will be missing a few things. So some days will be shorter than others and things like that. But hoping to kind of bring you some news and some reviews of um, first time UK releases of a lot of these. It will be. I mean, we saw films like Tiger's Not Afraid last Mm. year, which has only just been released on Shudder. Just come to Shudder, yeah. I think it's only just been released on Shudder throughout the world. It might be, yeah. I think it might have been a covering one. So is one of the most. Oh, it's beautiful. (laughs) Cinematic films we've seen in a long time. It's it's stunning. Harping back to kind of Guillermo del Toro Mm. in his kind of Pan's Labyrinth days which that fantastical fairy tale element yeah was just fantastic fairy tale clashing with real life and the most kind of harrowing real life experiences being dealt with by children through the mythology of fairy tales so you can see why Del Toro jumped onto this um is it Isa Isa Lopez. Isa Lopez. Um, And I cannot wait to see what else she does because it was simply beautiful. Beautiful to the point where there was unashamed tears in the cinema. Like, I cried in front of really tough Grimfest crowds. Um, They're not. They're beautiful. They're really lovely people. But I cried in front of them and there there was no shame. It was stunning. So I'm hoping for some more like that. I'm hoping... To come back what with was the short as well. We saw a short that was really good. It was it called Maria? Mara. Mara. About the female serial killer, but it's her first time. <laughs> that only, was interesting. Only for a short period of the film. Yeah. Well, it was only a, a short, short period of the short. Uh... Short period of the short. Please don't stop listening. Um, it gets better. Don't say it. Uh, we'll find out in edit. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be able to give you more news and things like that on Grimfest. It's such a nice little festival and it's nice that it is cinema. Um, nothing else is really going on. There's a couple of stalls and things, but it is just you know, all of you sitting in a room together ready for watching the same things. There's a bar. There is a bar, but it's risky to go to the bar at 11 o'clock when there's still a two-hour film coming your way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't do it. Um, But, yeah, we should be back with some more news on that in the next couple of episodes and things. So beyond that, previews. So having been to the cinema a couple of times, mostly horror for the past couple of times, so we, we seem very niche and genre but we do watch more than that occasionally sometimes but we might just you Lego know movie? <laughs> every now and then when the nightmares are bad we'll put the lego movie on power rangers if we're feeling fancy the batman lego movie yeah. um but that's there's there's three trailers that we've seen that i'd like to ask your opinion on oh, right i'll be brief <laughs> Don't worry, that's fine. I don't have the brain capacity um, to have opinions, but carry on. Yeah, you do. So, first one, Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Uh, I have absolutely no knowledge of the book. 
No, neither do I. I've never read it. I have never read it whatsoever. In fact, I don't think I've ever read a Stephen King book. However, I've seen an awful lot of Stephen King adaptations. Mm. My favourite is The Kingdom. Mm. Or Kingdom Hospital, Kingdom should I say. Hospital. Kingdom Hospital. With the anteaters represents death. And it, it, to me, <laughs> That's that how is... you keep trying to sell it to me. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's not really a big selling point. However, it is a fantastical journey with very, very illuminating characters all the way through it. And I absolutely love that TV show. However, I have no idea what to expect from this film Mm. at all. Obviously, The Shining... Yeah. Uh, it is a sequel to The Shining with yeah. Danny being played by Ewan, Ewan McGregor. McGregor. I don't know where it's going to go. I, I, I believe it's a very different story in the fact that it expands the universe and effectively says these people are being hunted. Yeah. So the people with The Shining the are being with hunted. The abilities, yeah. And to me, I, I don't know why that is so horrific at this stage. I mean, people with The Shining should surely have the ability to prevent that. I don't know. The the Shining is, like, knowing. It's not active, is it? It doesn't necessarily create things. It just means that you're aware of things. Yeah, but if you're aware of things in certain scenarios... Horror wouldn't happen if people that were aware of things didn't still (laughs) get (laughs) killed by things. I suppose. I don't know. I just I, I don't know where it's going to go, and I, I, that is a completely ignorant statement to make because I just I, I have no idea what the storyline is. But I'm I'm kind of happy not to, like the there was all the there's all the hubbub that everyone knows about Kubrick's Shining and King's opinion on it and things like that. I think that's the difference, isn't it? Because Kubrick's Shining was slated. By Stephen King, mm. he, he didn't support it whatsoever. However, this is so promised and 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 so supported by Stephen King at the minute that you just kind of think, well, that's fantastic, mm. and you know you kind of look forward to it. But it's but until it's it chapter two, two and to me, it chapter two was a little bit lackluster. Lackluster, <laughs> yeah, by comparison to chapter one, yeah. So. The fact that it's supported by Stephen King really doesn't mean that much no, to me when something is so revered as, mm, as uh, the shining. As the shining. But that's what I mean. It's and managing. Yeah, it wasn't supported by. But it's managing to tread that kind of line because obviously we've seen the two different trailers. So the last time we went to the cinema, we got to see the different, like the new trailer. It's yeah. kind of a bit more it, expansive on that world and things. And I have to say, I was a little bit more excited about yes. it in the second release trailer. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot more exposition there where it was going to go. It was faster. There was there was a slow element to that first trailer that made me worry what they were actually going to do with it. But as I say, I'm as in the dark with you kind of thing on the story of it. I love um, Kubrick Shining, I think. It is a stunning film. Um, It's got some amazing horror plays in it. 
So hopefully it'll still kind of bring some of that in whilst still keeping the man himself happy about his own like adapted work and things. I think it's going to be interesting because there's such a kind of saturation of King right now and some has been great. It chapter one especially, it chapter two, yeah, it's good. Uh, some has been shite looking at you, Pet Cemetery. <laughs> you you were not good <laughs> uh, but hopefully we'll get something from it yeah the trailers I almost feel like we could have not seen the trailers we're gonna go see this film and maybe having not seen the trailers we might have been more excited just from the hype uh, I think it's more big curiosity you mm. know what you're gonna expect from the shiny mm. uh, I'm a little bit worried that the repeat sections of the original film the shining film have been so heavily used in the advertising for yeah not to sleep on the basis that he's selling a film that he supported with a film that he hasn't supported and quite vocally hasn't but supported they, they redid those scenes like they're i feel like no but the the recreations of those scenes so i feel like there's got to be more context really? like yeah i yeah. didn't think they were recreations they, pretty, they, they didn't look like recreations no, i'm pretty sure that they recreated well, that's pretty impressive mm. I, I did not notice so I, at all. what that makes me think is there's gonna be more to them like it's not just gonna be what you saw in the shining about. yeah like, because we're now, we're, we're with Danny, aren't we? Yeah. It, it, it's Danny's story, so we might get it more from his, but we're going to go see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Going to go see gonna it. Go see it. Going to go see it irrespective. Just, yeah, hoping it pulls it out of the bag, really. Yeah, it's, it is not with quiet confidence. It is with... <laughs> Dubious hesitation. Dubious hesitation is the better description. It's with dubious hesitation <laughs> that this film is a success. Yeah. So, next trailer I want to ask you about, and again, we've kind of seen the two versions of this now, is the new Joker trailer. Why is this always coming my way? Should I be leading some of these you, questions? You can, so you you can, can ask me. You, you can ask me about yeah, the Joker exactly. trailer. Exactly. So, <laughs> last trailer we've seen recently is the latest Joker trailer. Shockingly. Joker. Didn't know you were throwing that one at me. Joker trailer 2. Yeah. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Still stupidly excited for this one. Um... Again, a bit like you kind of Doctor Sleep and stuff where there's so much pinned on it that you're kind of scared that it could go wrong. But from the early previews and stuff, obviously with America getting things so much quicker than we do, uh, there's already so many kind of positive things out there about it. And I think it's about time that DC kind of took the right steps with their characters and went fuck it, we can't build a stupidly overt kind of multiverse sort of thing like the MCU, like Marvel does. They're just not getting there. So instead, just take your great characters, make something amazing out of them. And I think that's what the joke is going to be. Yeah, I think Marvel has managed to monopolise on that. And unfortunately... 
DC really has to capitalize on that almost you know comic book advantage, but without the legacy and without in film without imitation with as well. Without yeah, without imitation being. I think it suffered as a result of doing Aquaman in certain scenarios. Mm. I mean, three hours long <laughs> itself. Underwater adventures. Yeah. <laughs> Sharky and George on heat. But <laughs> it ended five times, or it may as well have done. <laughs> you thought, you hoped it did. I hoped it did. I, and it was just laughable at points. But that's just a personal opinion. Mm. There's people out there that say it was the best DC delivery for a long time. And yeah, fine. I respect your decision to say that. But I think, again, they were were trying to rebuild on a franchise. And Aquaman did better as a solo film than they did with things like the Justice League and blah, blah, blah. But then looking from this whole solo standpoint, just like not trying to integrate, giving them a film, you've got Shazam and things like that that was brilliant it was so much fun and obviously this is a totally different tone and a totally different way of going at it because it ain't going to be no like Shazam is it it's not going to be light-hearted teenager gets superpowers this is dark well hopefully yeah it looks it's going to be a real character study I Mm. think of the Joker and how he came to be yeah and it's easy to look at the likes of Jared Leto and Heath Ledger in these scenarios and say, you know, portrayals of the Joker. Mm. <sighs> Jack Nicholson? Jack Joker? Nicholson. Jack Nicholson was Joker as well. Yeah. And uh, there's there's some good portrayals of the Joker there. Mark Hamill. Less so Mark Hamill. Uh, mm-hmm. Animated. Oh, yeah. But uh, just... I think it's it's going to be one of the best. And yeah. for Heath Ledger to be potentially upstaged here by mm. Joaquin, Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix, it's going to take some doing. It's really going to take yeah. some doing. But I don't think they even so much have to worry about that. So, like, the way they're setting up this film, like you say, it is a character study and it's the darker mythology of the Joker and the Joker's been given a million origin stories and still has none like there's no definitive origin like we all know Bruce Wayne opera parent shot sad times now I'm a bat like every film yeah. hopefully not the new one feels the need to retell us this yeah I'm reading White Knight at the minute and I'm mm. not necessarily convinced that's where it's going to go I've only read like the first well, couple there pages are, so far though, so. there are multiverse versions yeah. and there's different realm, like kind of weird versions and things but they're not looking this isn't a Joker as a Batman antagonist as far as I'm seeing this this is a Joker movie like oh it, absolutely it, Heath Ledger's Dark Knight it was amazing because he was the antithesis of Batman he was everything that Batman wasn't. He was chaos and the joy of chaos and mm. Batman was order and justice and things like that. Whereas this is just Joker in a in what yeah, looks like a in, riot state at the moment or yeah. something. He's in he's in 
his embryonic state. He's growing mm. and he's going to... Becoming. Yeah, he is becoming what's there. And it's exciting to see. Yeah. I think he's going to develop into something that's a real spectacle to watch. Mm. So I have already booked us this. <laughs> I've oh, booked yeah. us in for this. Um, we have next to wait week. Week after. next week, but we have to wait until after Grimfest because honestly, I will fall asleep at work if we try and fit this <sighs> in so around films to watch Grimfest. So we may be overrun. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <clears throat> and Sunday. All day. Every day. Um, so to finish off previews, um, I am throwing this one to you, and there's nothing you can do about it because I don't know anything really um terminate a dark fate i feel like this is a big boo-boo on a film lover's list but i have not seen a single terminator film not even the shit latest ones well i've told you this before (laughs) But you could pretty much watch Terminator 1, T2, and then skip straight to this because the Mm. excitement level for this Mm. is pretty high. Sarah Connor coming back into the universe. Yeah. So many people say universe nowadays because (laughs) of Marvel. Sarah Connor. Connor. The TCU, it's the Terminator (laughs) Cinematic Cinematic Universe. Sarah Connor coming back into the fold here. Yeah. What's her name? Linda Hamilton? Yes. Yeah. And this is, yeah. That's without even Google. This Good is on some, me, memory banks. This is some pure, like... For those of you that are frequent listeners, <laughs> you will know... the first episode. <laughs> of the first episode, you will know that my memory banks are <laughs> shocking. <laughs> But yeah, this is, is doing... it Linda Hamilton. It is Linda is it, Hamilton. Lindell Hamilton? Uh, oh, not Lindell. Yeah, Linda. Of course not. <laughs> I've had a cider. Sure. I've had beer. Um, but this is. She is back in the fold. Arnie is back in yeah. the fold. There are progressions in the tea world. Mm-hmm. Bringing There's in new teas. Some awesome new ideas. They're doing. And also some human. Terminator hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what the second uh, trailer has kind of revealed the main female character, like the non Sarah Connor female character to be, which is exciting, but also makes me go, ooh, what's your twist now then? Isn't this the director <laughs> of Deadpool? Tim Miller. This is Tim Miller. Oh, it is. Okay, I'm even more excited. See, so memory I'm... banks, <laughs> memory banks, guys. We we Sherlocked. We went into the palace. We pulled Tim Miller out, and now now he knows this. Um, I need to watch the first two. I will. I got weirdly, do you know, like when the internet does that thing where it uh, <laughs> you can't see this, but he's doing he's doing the Arnie thumb. Um, when internet seems to have like listened to you and starts advertising things that it's listened to you saying. Um, our screen, do you know the one that puts on retro films in yeah. big cinema screens, is doing a double billing. Really? So we could go to cinema. So I could, even though I wouldn't have had the opportunity to see it in the cinemas anyway, see it in the cinema. we can we can go do this in preparation because 
I feel like this is pulling a full Halloween 2018 and it's going to bring back a strong, badass bitch kind of like... 100%. Wipe out the, the kind of um, bullshit of the expansion of the franchise, go back to the basics and bring back what we loved without having to go into a nostalgia boner kind of place. Like it's it's mm. not... It's not going into the past. It's acknowledging that those two characters are older and have had lives since then. Possibly. Like, However, well, it can't it, exactly it say it's in the be same time because because you've not old. seen it before. Yeah, Arnie old, but he's still a fucking machine. Well, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Yeah, but now he's more like a fax machine. Oh, brutal! <laughs> Send him an email about that in the morning. And I'll tweet it. It's fine. But. I did think the nostalgia bus just drove right through the second uh, trailer for this mm. when she said, "I'll be, I'll back. be back." Oh my god! And I just even thought, I got that. I don't, yeah. <laughs> You've never even seen either of them, and you knew what was going on. We know on. I'll be back. It needed to be taken out. That it would have been is. better left for the film. It wasn't well delivered, in my personal opinion. But it's because they didn't show you the scene before she said it. They didn't exactly. show you the lead up to it. They just threw it in. Yeah. But the the scene with Arnie mm. in the window, mm. I'll be back, is so, so set in everybody's mind. It's iconic, that, yeah. yeah. It's iconic, which... But then you compare that to the fact that they release this in the trailer mm. and it's such a flippant remark in the yeah. way she says it. And you just think, it's a waste. It's a waste. But cause Leave that's, it for the film. Yeah. But marketing? Well, that's the thing. The people that do the trailers don't aren't the same people that do the film a lot of the time. Um, but I do think there's... A little bit too much given away in that second trailer, especially like say, yeah, maybe it would have come out anyway. But the fact that the new, the new Sarah Connor, the the strong female kind of lead mm-hmm. in this one, is um, like a hybrid human machine and things. It didn't it didn't need to. I was I I was quite happy in my little realm of thinking I was smart that that might be a thing, and then the second trailer went. You're not smart, it's a thing. There's going to be some sort of human hybrid. Yeah. And it would be alarming if that wasn't Sarah Connor and Arnold Schwarzenegger in some way. No, I don't want this. It's, it's going to happen. It. It's going to happen. Oh, God, I hope you're wrong. But I you're hope quit. you're so wrong. That's fine. But you're quit. It's but some really sort of spliced wrong. human hybrid out of them two because they're oh. the strongest human, the strongest Terminator. Yeah. But I and that creates her. That creates and her. And then she goes back in time and the loop continues because it's all about the loop. And then 20 films later, the Navi are And then 20 films later, John Connor is still <laughs> changing his face Every single film. That's, that's what it does. No one wants to play that role more than one. Exactly. But yeah, I do. I, I'm willing to watch the first two. Not willing, because that makes it sound like I've purposely not watched them. I think you just... It, it's like with a lot of films like E.T. and blah, 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 and the, like Goonies and stuff. You either watch them when you were younger or because your parents loved them and things like that. And if you didn't watch them by a certain age, you kind of just... 
you know, like new films happened <laughs> and you just fell out the loop. Is this about the time that we need to clarify how old we are? No. Okay. This will forever be a mystery. Uh, we don't need to do that. <laughs> Younger than Terminator. I'm not. Are you not? I don't think so. Mm. There you go. Maths. Maths problems for you. And also memory problems. <laughs> We've already touched on that. I don't have a clue. He very much could be younger than Terminator. But, no more of your waffling. Because <laughs> it's only you waffling. I am making pure sense. <laughs> so we're going to move into our main review of the episode, uh, which is the film Ready or Not. Uh, just a warning, this bit is going to involve spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film, uh, pause, come back to us, go watch it, find out what you think, then come back and listen to what we think about it. So quick kind of break and a warning for spoilers, just in case you have clicked on a Ready or Not episode and thought, oh no, I haven't seen this. So we will be back in just a minute. Welcome back to our review of Ready or Not. So just a quick bit of kind of background. Obviously, this film was released this year. It was directed by um, Matt Bettinelli-Olfin. Olfin? Pass. Um, and Tyler Gillette. So they are a directing duo who have worked on a few films together um, a couple that we have seen, so they worked on VHS, the anthology film. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do a different section of it, or the full um, thing? Probably, probably one section, I would guess. Yeah. I don't actually know. Because it's a, it's a series, yeah. it's an anthology series, isn't it? So It's saying that they worked on it. Um, writing. I think they wrote. Oh, they wrote it. Okay. So they, I think they were writing, uh, writing kind of duo on that one. Wow. Um, and then also Devil's Jew, which Devil's is one Jew. we watched on Shudder. Yeah. Yeah. So, good little background. Also, side fact. You know, really delve deep for this one. Um, but Matt is in a punk band. <laughs> called Link 80. That's like the main thing that is mentioned. Like before all of his filming credits, it's like, dude, punk band. Really? So yeah, we're, we're going to spot by that shit later. <laughs> see no, see if it's worth it. I kind of wanted to like figure out if there was any of the songs in the film, but I don't think it was that intelligent. I feel like if they're dropping it into any film, it's going to be VHS. It, yeah, VHS would have been the better shout for that. Um, so yeah, that's the directors behind it. Uh, Basically, Ready or Not follows the kind of story of a wealthy family uh, called the Lodomus family. Lodomus. They are a dominion of board game. Like, they are in the board game dominion. Um, And start the film kind of with a little bit of backstory on them. So we get the 30 years... Uh, so like start off with a bit of a flashback sort of thing uh, to 30 years prior and 
it appears to be somebody's wedding night and her husband is being hunted down by the family and we meet our two young brothers, brothers uh, Daniel and Alex. Um, and Daniel is trying to protect Alex's younger brother while this madness and mayhem is going on. And they shoot the groom and take him into their ritual room. And then 30 years later, and we get into the modern telling. So we kind of get a bit of an idea of the whole, the deadliest game is man kind of vibe the film's going for. That's it. It's the hunt. Yeah. Before the hunt, because that's not the allowed to be released. <laughs> but, so yes, uh, we flash to 30 years later, and Alex, who uh, has been estranged from his family, is now back in the family household, ready for his wedding to grace. Um, so... They're having their ceremony. The family's a bit weird. She doesn't think they like her. The Daniel is a pure raging alcoholic and very upfront about everything. Um, but the ceremony is beautiful and it happens. And then she must perform the family ritual. So she just wants to, as anyone would, after a long day and things at a wedding, just wants to go to bed. She just wants to be with her new husband. But no, she must go to the family game room and pick a card out of this weird little box that like randomly selects games. Um, and everything will be okay as long as she doesn't pick the one card. And can you guess what card she picks? Once every 30 years. The wrong pissing card. So she picks the hide and seek card. That's the kind of the general thing. And then we begin our whole, you have to hide until dawn and uh, to win the game, you just have to stay hidden. And obviously Grace is assuming that this is just a weird family tradition. But as soon as she goes to hide, we realise that this is so much more than that. And it's basically kind of, they've got to appease this see this is where I kind of need you because they did the big explain a bit and I had to go to the bathroom so they have to appease like uh labiel 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 they have to appease labiel labiel is a I'm going to assume that he's a satan type person yeah demon however he was effectively agreed to keep give them in them, fortune yeah keep them in fortune give them plenty of money throughout their lineage in exchange for undertaking this ritual mm. but only when someone draws the wrong card and only when somebody new is added to the family yes what i wasn't aware of was during this film was just whether that was by wed by marriage yeah yeah by marriage or whether that was an addition to the family by adoption or you know or or, or birth of a child I don't however think... that works so that did get kind of explained oh did it 
Uh, yeah. In so the, this is where memory fails. <laughs> that, I think, kind of came down to it was outsiders. So if you're already of blood, you're accepted into the family. Okay. But the children, and that's what we realised through. So do you know the two kids that the sister has? Yep. So basically, Alex and Daniel have a sister, and she is Sister Scarface. Like she is a coke fiend. Oh, constantly brilliant. Loved her in this film. Brilliant, hilarious, but constantly on something up as down as fuck knows. But she would take it. Um, but she had two kids, and when the ritual is coming to an end, when they um when they get to finding grace and things like that, they bring, they're bringing the two boys to be part of the ritual because they bring them into the room. And I think in the flashback at the beginning, that's what Daniel was hiding Alex from. Is that if you are a child of the family and this happens, you have to be the ones involved. So I think that's your initiation into the family as well. Like becoming part of it. You have to be involved in it. So everyone who's there has been involved in. Apart from Alex. In the games in some way, yeah. Wow. So Alex was hidden in the wardrobe, wasn't he? I completely missed that. (laughs) But we've we've skipped skipped over many things. Um, So kind of basically... Grace, as anyone would, thinks this is a bit of a joke mm-hmm. until so she she hides in a dumb waiter and then, as it would, five minutes or so late, gets real boring. So she comes out with a dumb waiter, um, and as she's spotted, oh no, and then is kind of helped into well, she's taken by Alex into a room who explains that this is actually a real thing and still she's quite kind of you know throws it off and things like that doesn't quite believe it and all that kind of stuff until mental drug sister again fucking brilliant character thinks that she's spotted grace and just shoots one of the weird sex maids they have in the house straight in the face Straight in the face. Straight in the face. She doesn't die immediately. Oh, no, no. She gaggles. She drags that. <laughs> she... She drags it out. It's as if, you know, like a non-speaking role in a film will will pay you this much, but if you gaggle solidly for 10 minutes in the background, <laughs> we'll pay you this much. Oh, there's, there's definitely oh, some royalties going on. But it? there's some beautiful timing with it all. I'm fairly sure that's a ringtone from the late night. Yeah. <laughs> Just night, night gaggling. Night. The kind you had to type into your phone. (laughs) But finally, Grace kind of starts to believe and things like that. Um, And now she has to hide. So Alex is going to try and get rid of the security on the house so that she can actually leave. Um, And she's just, it's just this kind of, like it says in the trailer, you know, the rich really are different. And it's just this big kind of game of how thoroughly they believe this ritual this kind of old school thing that they've been told for generations that they're willing to kill this young woman who's entered their house um so it becomes this brutal kind of um cat and mouse game and of her running away and them trying to get her 
and the sister progressively killing every maid in the fucking house, which again, genius. Um, but yeah, kind of not just running through the story, but kind of going into it overall as a theme and things like that as an actual film. I love this film. Yeah, I mean, I didn't study film. Far from it. <laughs> but for me, it was like, is this about religion where people blindly follow certain aspects of religion and mm-hmm. kind of force their expect something in return but you'll only maybe know if you don't follow exactly so the only way okay. that you can know that it's not working is not to follow it and i mean that kind of jumps ahead towards the ending which we're not going to get to yet but yeah. <laughs> it kind of felt like that to a point where It's a blind it, faith, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I think that's always going to, you know, be the case with a lot of horror films. But it actually felt believable mm. in this scenario because of the way that it was portrayed. It's a blind faith built on greed as well because they are super wealthy. They've got this beautiful giant mansion. You know, they couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, Daniel's wife, Charity. <laughs> Charity. Yeah, I didn't like yeah, yeah. her. She was a dick. Yeah. Who is the sternest bitch on the planet. But, like, she is obviously used to a certain lifestyle now that she's with Daniel. Mm, I think that was, that was another kind of factor that I thought was interesting, was that both her and Grace were of a, an adoption background. Well, they were of a, a lower background. Yeah. They they both a... had troubled pasts yeah. where they'd maybe not been given the best upbringing, either yeah. be that by foster parents who couldn't keep them, as in Grace's case, or like kind of lower class upbringing but and, and charity. charity was. I don't think it was. It never said explicitly. I'm sure oh, it did. did. It? Okay. I'm sure it did. She was an adoption background or a foster background, and she was not willing to give that up. Yeah, that was well, she's not willing her... to give up the riches of yeah. the family. That's why she was so willing to kill Grace, to keep that. Then the other one was sisters with the yes. two of them, and he married so, in. So, Emil and uh, Fitch. Yeah, that's Fitch what it married was. In. Fitch married Don't in. Don't be a why... bitch, Fitch. That's why there was a difference, yes. I think, in the, in the whole dynamic of that. Of the relationships. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know whether that was kind of a poignant... Finding people that... Yeah. I think it, it was more... Because you never actually learn what Fitch's background was. No, he was just... He also, though, was very happy to do so, to to do the killing, because of the lifestyle it afforded him. He was happy to sit out on it, but he wasn't going to do anything about it either. He yeah. was less active, whereas Charity, like, had a smile on her face with a gun in her hand. Like, she wasn't just willing. She was happy to do that shit. Grace was out of, I suppose, fight or flight kind of syndrome there. She she, she didn't have a choice. Yeah, Grace doesn't have a choice because she either survives or dies. She's not gaining any of the the riches, though, is she? No, it's like Fitch or 
bitch or bitch or whatever is fitch. <laughs> Don't be a bitch, fitch. Don't be a bitch, fitch. Like, where's his motive in this? Because ultimately... Fit wife and lots of money. Yeah, yeah, but he's already in. He's already in. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but to remain in. But that's the thing. All of their motives are, if they don't kill Grace, all of that money disappears. Oh, shit, yeah. If they don't kill Grace, their pact is done. So all all of the other people, the dad and the mom and things like that, and fucking auntie stern face, she is oh, yeah. terrifying. Um, there's, they're all there for that reason. They're all there. So we've got um, Tony Ladomus, Becky Ladomus. That's mum and dad. We've got um, the two brothers, Daniel and Alex. We've got Helen, who is the sister. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, We've got Emile, who's the sister, and Helen, who is the aunt. So she is Tony's... She's she's Tony's sister, and she's the one whose husband was murdered in the flashback at the beginning. Wow. Mm, okay. Yep. No, it's revealed. I know. I was just. Are we in the position where we're telling them who murdered it? Him? No. Yes. Maybe. Oh, you can do if you want. Yeah, it was her. She killed him. Yeah. No. No, she didn't. Yeah, she did. Hundred percent. That's part of the ritual. That she has to do it? Yeah. Okay. If they're caught. Yeah, no, no, they have to be killed. But I thought it was... Because it's something to do with Alex seeing, being the only Ladomus that has seen... Is it La Bouf? Uh, La Belle. La Belle. No. That was supposed to be something to... Um, foreshadowing the fact that he was different. He was going to take over the family. So, yeah. So I think that was more of a point of there's change coming mm. than it was to say that he's going to be the one that does it. Okay. So the, the ritual I understood it to be was the person who is inviting somebody to marry into the Has family. to. If they are caught, during ready or not, or hide and seek, hide and seek, they have to then subsequently murder them. Okay. So that's, it's more just, yeah, so they keep, because that's maybe why they keep Alex locked up, well, try and keep him locked away while they're hunting it down and things. I think so, yeah. It's to prevent him helping, but also to prevent him running away from his... Yeah obligations so they kind of once grace realizes this is like is taking this seriously she's got to escape and it feels like everyone's kind of in on it so even like the butler like the weird opera (laughs) butler who's uh also again it's it's a it's all a greed thing like everyone who has had the the what is it who's reaped the benefits of this ritual deal, wants to continue doing this and is willing to kill the one to please the many. But the many just happen to be very, very rich. 
So they're all so happy to put their morals aside on killing someone if it keeps them in a lush lifestyle, you know, like wipe your guilty tears with $100 bills sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so even like the butler who works for them, who technically isn't on their class level, is so willing to go after them because of the life it affords them. So like he's it. he'll hunt Grace down as well quite quickly. And it is it it's again a little bit a little bit like crawl in the idea of it's not as simple a concept and it's not monster movie, but it's the fun of the chase, it's the fun of the fight, it's the the fun of all the odds are stacked against you, what are you going to do? Yeah, well uh, yeah, from Grace's perspective. Yeah. Who whose perspective I will always look at things from, because I love I love her. Well, yeah, I th- I think everybody puts themselves in that position, or you know the the underdog mm. position in that scenario. Well, I don't know, maybe that's just personal opinion, but I don't think no, it's cause easier obviously... to see yourself fighting against the world than it is. Yeah to see the world fighting for you. But I think it's more the way they position this character. So obviously she's she's positioned to be our protagonist. She's positioned, you know, we follow her and her journey and she's likeable and not an absolute fucking greedy madhead who's going to shoot someone for money. But it's the way they brought her character in. There's something just from the instant you meet her, like from the instant she's on the screen and it's uh, Samara Weaving who plays her. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Samara Weaving. Um, and she deserves everything for this. Ah, oh, she's very good. So likeable, so relatable, so funny. Like, her big sweary rant in the middle when it finally gets real and she does what you've wanted every scream queen, every like big female victim to do is just she's found a mildly safe place so she just lets off a tirade of swear words because she is pissed and everything she does she's got this humor to it that is what she is the comedy in this film her oh, reactions yeah, to bit. things are the comedy in this film. Well, her and the uh, sister <laughs> that just keeps accidentally murdering people. I'm so sorry. I'm such a fuck up, she says as she shoots another maid in the face. Oh, wow, just murder another one. <laughs> it's brilliant. That is that is the comedic effect. I, yeah. I think that sets it off massively. She's just absolutely hilarious throughout yeah. the entire film. But it balances, everyone gets their kind of moments and things like that, and it balances itself so well in that it becomes, like, I would put this, as far as being able to mix your horror and your comedy and things like that, I would put this in your Cabin in the Woods kind of levels, where it is comedy, but there is horror. Like, there is tension, there is the chase, there is, you worry for these people, it's not just, haha, that's so funny. Like, you want Grace to make it out. You are scared for her at different points. But at the same time, you'll still laugh a scene later. Um, and it's so dark in its comedy and then so brutal in its horror gore. So sometimes 
horror comedy, I think the best kind of horror that works with comedy is kind of gory gross out. And that's what this goes for, is your gory gross out horror. Yeah, I also think the other side of it is that there's a lot of distinguishment of class in this. Mm. However, in a lot of other films where there is uh, such a class divide, and all right, yeah, she's marrying into uh, this family. But in other films where there is such a a clear class divide or Mm. something that's depicted as class divide, it almost portrays the upper class as inhuman. Whereas you are able to empathise with every single one of these characters in the way that they Mm. are actually portrayed and delivered in this. To a point where it doesn't matter what your background is, throughout the film you can relate to them. Even so far as the, what, patriarchy, you want to call it? Yeah. The the leader of the family. To him... He he kind of goes from being such a strong person, the cool, to just, calm, and collected, yeah, to just falling apart. Yeah, because he he's lost control of whatever he thinks he he has control of. Yeah, and he feels it's his responsibility to control it and things. Exactly. Um, but I think they all they balance each other. So you've got like Fitch, who is just useless but also like you know goes and sits on a toilet and looks at youtube videos of how to use this vintage crossbow that he needs and then his wife who is just constantly looks like scarface with a white powdered nose just egging (laughs) herself on not to be the family fuck up and charity who's a cold-blooded killer and then daniel is the kind of most pain character like even despite Alex and Grace like Alex wanting to save Grace and not wanting his wife but Daniel seems to be the one yeah he's been tortured by Daniel protected Alex and Alex got out whereas Daniel was stuck with it so again like yeah so getting kind of to the end and things like that Grace is making a run for it and you get a few, ah, Daniel's a dick. No, he's a hero. Daniel's a dick again. No, he's a hero. And it's like, you know, he's he's leading people to her, but then also letting her get away and things like that. And it eventually comes down to he's trying to protect her and his own wife shoots him just so that she can keep the money. And Junior kind of going, oof. I did not, I did, I, I came here for the funnies. Do not give me emotional blows like this. Like, that was hard to watch. It's hard to see the guy from the OC get shot. <laughs> hard to see Daniel get shot. <laughs> um, but I, I do think it was, like, a good way of redeeming that character as well and showing the brothers. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. Adam Brody was solid throughout mm. the entire film. Hundred percent. I think he delivered hard on what he needed to do. Yeah, he did. You know, the shooting scene at the end, it wouldn't have made a difference. I thought he did a great performance all the way mm. through. Uh, um, did kind of hit home a little bit, but I think the the best thing was to see the last. Two, oh. two and a half minutes of the film. 
Yeah. Uh, worth it. I mean, it's a short film, an hour and a half, an hour and 25 yeah, minutes. Yeah, it's really like not that. that long, actually. It it's didn't feel 95 like minutes, so an hour and 35. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. But, yeah, I, just for the last two and a half minutes, worth it. Yeah. Just the the expectation of what you th- just what you think is going to happen all the way through that kind of mm, it doesn't seem to be occurring well it's what i thought was going to happen was yeah. the, the the kind of bait and scare yeah. that kind of build it right, up okay, and... build it up build it up build it up it's maybe real but hang on a minute it's not real but then it is real, and therefore the curse comes to light. Yeah. The curse comes to light, and everybody kind of dies and goes up in a blazing <laughs> inferno or something like that. And yet the scene goes on for a good two and a half, three minutes, at which point you're thinking, hang on a minute, where is this film going to go? Yeah. How is this film going to end? Because everybody is fine. Everybody is still alive. Yeah. Everybody's having a conversation. So everybody's laughing, thinking They've done well, the they've gone to do the ritual, haven't they? Mm. Basically. They've 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 finally got Grace. Um so Alex has gotten in on it now because Alex believes that Daniel's death was Grace's fault. He doesn't know that charity shot him. So Alex allows the family to put Grace on the pentagram table and um strap her down and she's ready to be executed but then um auntie goes to the window auntie helen the absolute psycho that she is um but she goes to the window opens the drapes and you almost (laughs) opens the drapes and reveals that it's dawn (laughs) which is when they should have killed them killed her by and you almost do like when she opens the drapes, you expect some Nosferatu kind of shit. Like she's just gonna melt Buffy style sort of thing, like just disintegrate into dust. But she doesn't, and then nothing happens to any of them. And like you're saying, you're sat there and like. But it isn't even like a a quiet pause. No, <laughs> it's not a ten second. It's not even a thirty second pause. It is like a minute. <laughs> it is. It's it's more than that. It's two. Yeah. It's two and a half minutes of what's going to happen. What is going to happen here? And, and maybe then... it wasn't right. And maybe this wasn't happening. And you almost expect them to do that. Because like, like you were saying with the religion thing, you know, have this blind faith and you'll be rewarded if you continue to have it. But if you don't, you'll be punished. So you're almost going, well, there's no punishment. And you can you can see it. And the characters are like, fuck. We were lied to. We were wrong. <laughs> yeah, we were about to kill this woman for nothing. And then... <laughs> and then... And then... Problemo. <laughs> yeah. Literally, it kind of... It builds and builds, are you thinking? I didn't think they were just kind of going to go with the... Ah, there is no God. <laughs> like, yeah. fully go for it. And then Aunt Helen kind of goes, Oh. Oh something doesn't quite feel right and she explodes yeah like one of the sacks from that film with Kate Beckinsale and also Hugh Jackman Van Helsing Van Helsing (laughs) like one of the vampire sacks 
they just explode. Well, I was almost one the, by one. The stylish way they do it everywhere. It's stylish. It was done in whatever year that was, which I'm going to guess is 2009. I'm not looking it up. But <laughs> this, no, what I meant was... I can only be right once. The stylish episode. way that they do this in uh, Ready or Not almost is uh, 2004. <laughs> the stylish way they do this, it reminds me of like uh, the head exploding scenes in Kingsman, where it's like uh, fireworks and stuff like yeah. that. But instead, this is just blood everywhere like old school kind of like evil dead like how much blood budget do we have throw that shit at the walls explosions of body now that i think about it remember in mib Uh when the guy behind the counter got his head shot off and it It felt very much like that Mm. the splatter ratio was immense was very similar yeah. Very similar. There was a lot of there was Only a it lot was of green and blood. not red. Well, red yeah, this was, green, this was very red. There was something really beautiful, and maybe it's the final girl lover in me. Maybe it's just because I absolutely fell in love with Grace as a character. Like, this woman who looks like Margot Robbie is stunning and so funny. Like, Samara Weaving, brilliant. But just this ending of... <laughs> They all explode. And then it's just her and Alex Don't left. Don't she now just like own a dynasty? Well, Alex is dead. No, but there's just Alex left. And he's like, oh, no, baby, we can make it work. I still love you. We look, Nothing happened because I'm not like them. I'm not like them. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, shit, is this motherfucker going to survive? And then, boom, he explodes as well. And I'm so happy that he that exploded. That is red. Oh, she is head to toe, carry covered in blood. Um... But before he explodes, and I think what causes him to explode is she takes her ring off, throws it at him and says, I want a divorce. And when it hits him, he explodes. That's a good shout. I'm just, that is, you know, he's like, boss bitch, yes. <laughs> and that's just the best kind of thing. And then calmly, she just laughs, walks out, sits on the front steps of this beautiful mansion that is on fire. There was a fire. We we skipped this bit. She caused a fire. It took forever to burn the house. And there's like paramedics and other oh, people. Shit, yeah. yeah, there was a fire in the in the office. The house took forever when to it up. took. It's a big house. So no, it it's, take, made up. It, it's like five hundred years. No, old. no, no, because no, it's like it's a mansion house, wasn't it? Is like, that in this America? Is, yeah, yeah, but like uh, old school. America's that old, is it? Yeah, uh, no. That's how big it was. Apparently, we just don't live in big enough houses to know how long. It takes for fire to spread in mansions. Um, but she just, all these paramedics and police officers and, you know, like, you know, we've, we've, we've got a, we've got, we've got a victim here. She's not responding. And she just sat on the steps with a cigarette in her mouth in a torn fucking blood red wedding dress, just staring off into the distance. And Some never sweet has. converse dunks. Yes, with her converse on. And never has one woman looked so, so badass. And I'm putting her up there. Like, there's only one film and there can never be another film. She can't be a legacy. She can't be uh, Sarah Connor. She can't be a Laurie Strode. She can't be that. But I'm putting her on the list with those fuckers. Like, she was bad. (laughs) 
because I did as well. It reminded me last last point. Um, I did think at one point because of the whole background and we never quite knew who her parents were and like or like um who she was brought up by. I was waiting for um your next. I was waiting for the your next. You know, with the sheet masks, where it's a, another premise is like a home invasion. But the woman that one of the men has brought home, the the fiance or something, uh, grew up in a survivalist household. So she sets like home alone booby traps and fucks them up. Why do I? Why have I not seen this film? Okay, we have to cut this podcast early because we're gonna go watch you next because you need to see this. But I kind of thought there was gonna be that kind of thing where like Grace was gonna turn out to be, or maybe like you know, uh, don't uh, breathe. Yeah. She's gonna be ex-military or something yeah, yeah. and just absolutely own them. And I no, it wasn't like that. It's a little bit more realistic. She fucked up. She wasn't, you know, she couldn't lift cars and you know that kind of thing. It wasn't like she suddenly became this boss kind of like strong, but she got through it all. And, yeah, I adore her. I would watch that film a million, million times over. It was really good. So, we have to get to ratings. So, the ratings overall work on a grading system. So, they are the extended grade system. So, A plus to D. So, A plus being the top to D minus being the bottom. If it goes beyond a D minus, if it's not even worthy of a D minus, it gets a U, an ungradable. We reserve that for the worst of the worst. Those films that make us feel like they have robbed time from our lives. So on a grade system, where are you putting this? A minus, B plus. Okay. Now I'm going to round you off. I'm going to A minus it too. A minus. A minus. No. Enjoyable, lighthearted. Definitely got yes. some quirky features and albeit a little bit, tiny little bit predictable in mm. parts, was all round good fun to watch. Yeah. Really funny, super enjoyable to watch, easy viewing whilst also actually being entertaining. Amazing performances from everyone on that cast. Um, Samara Weaving is my forever crush now. And I really just loved going to the cinema to watch this. I think if it's still on at cinema where you are, or if it's just come to cinema where you are, go see it in the cinema. It's worth doing it. If not, just rent it as soon as it comes out because it is so much fun. It's like a party movie. Like it is one that you can just put on and everyone will get something out of it. There's been a lot of heavy hitter horrors that's great. It's absolutely great. I, I, I never stop doing that. It's that climate. Yes. But at the same time, sometimes it's like, yay, people exploded. Woo, gunshot. Yeah, fake blood. <laughs> like, I just, just bring the fun again. <laughs> so. And it was lovely to not go to the cinema and sit there for three hours. Oh, I could feel my ass when it ended. It, it was, was a goddamn delight. <laughs> I'm going to call this quits because the sleepy, the sleepy is saying in. Yeah, it's time for words tomorrow. Oh, shh. Bad Maybe. words. Occasionally. Bad words. I guess. So we're going to say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for hopefully uh, listening through the entire first episode. 
I'm sure there's some bugs to work out, but we'll figure it out. We're getting there. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Um, if you're enjoying, please um, subscribe, please rate, please review, please do all those lovely things. And if you'd like to keep ahead of what's going on and any more plans we've got, or if you're interested in those Grimfest episodes that should be coming up, you can follow me on social media. I am Bombshells and Blue Shells on Instagram, Facebook, and Be Blue Shells on Twitter. Or you can check out and subscribe to the bombshellsandblueshells.com website, which will get you email alerts whenever there's a new notification. Where can they find you, babe? Um, I am either at 32-bit Johnny Fives or 32-bit J Fives on Twitter and Instagram and that's it because I don't like Facebook. He does not do the Facebooks. You think that might be because of his youthfulness? I'm sure yes, it's not. It's because of my youthfulness. <laughs> it's all because of his youthfulness. I'm too but once again, thank you so much for um, coming through our first episode with us. Uh, we'll see how the rest of them go. I'm sure we'll figure some more stuff out as we go. But it's been fun. And fingers crossed, it's not our last. So good night, guys. Good night. Ciao.